0: welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs or Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So that being said, I have James Nardone of Nardone Pasta Company out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. How are you doing today, James?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me. Uh,
0: you're very welcome. So James, tell us your story. How'd you end up Becoming a food entrepreneur you know what was your childhood like and and where did you get the entrepreneurial bug from sort of all lashed into one little take as much time as you want
1: yeah sure um <clears throat> so um i guess like to start off in terms of like a food entrepreneur um i just kind of you know just kind of like get cravings for creativity um Which sometimes, you know, working in a kitchen, it's not always like a creative outlet because there is like the bottom line, you know. So it was kind of like a side project kind of Instagram thing that just kind of turned into something real, um, which I feel like that sometimes works out a lot better than, like, these, like, long-winded plans, you know? Like, I'm going to do this, and here's my, like, plan. I didn't really have a plan. I was just kind of working at my buddy's restaurant and documenting our pasta program, and, you know, it was attracting people, and the photos were nice, and I just decided to kind of take it on as, like, a full-time, you know, operation. Um, And then it kind of just turn into what it is um and what it was really because we've just we're not really you know doing it like we did and we're phasing it out opening our first brick and mortar um under the name elma we're not really you know keeping the and pasta thing going just yet um i have some ideas of where it can go, but I just kind of didn't want to pigeonhole ourselves from like a business standpoint to only serve or make or sell pasta or anything like that. Um, I wanted something that was a little more, you know, I wanted more options, things like that. I I guess um, my entrepreneurial like like mindset maybe isn't really so much just an entrepreneurial mindset. It's just more of like, what can I do that can get me like to a place where I can control, you know, my creativity, my products, have my own, you know, my own style without having to compromise for, you know, the boss's bottom line things like that um i didn't like come from a, a family that was like an entrepreneurial business like you know savvy kind of environment like my family were like construction workers and teachers you know we had to like provide and they're entrepreneurs and you know going after a small business is super risky and My family didn't have that luxury to, like, put everything on the line. You know, I come from a really big family. So we all lived together. So it's like you can't be like, I'm not, you know what, I'm done with the construction. I'm done with the union. I think I'm going to start a restaurant or I think I'm going to open a, you know, laundromat or things like that. My mom would have been like, you're nuts to my, you know, my dad. Uh, We just had to provide. I'm lucky – that I have such a strong, you know, support system that's like allowing me to do this just because everyone kind of believes in what I'm doing and I've put in like, you know, put in some legwork and it's like there's a proof there's proof to the concept. So it's not as risky as, you know, just jumping right into a restaurant, brick and mortar and taking on all that debt. Um but yeah, I'm not sure if I lost sight of the question,
0: but I tried to... No, no, I mean, no, you got it very well. I mean, why the interest in pasta? I mean, did you always grow up, like, eating pasta? Like, did you... Um, and I know you're talking about expanding it out because you don't want to pigeonhole yourself a- into Elma, Philly. But what is it like... Talk to me about, like, why the interest in that particular product? Did you grow up in food or working in food businesses? I mean, I'm just a little unclear because you, you're you obviously talented at this and obviously growing the brand.
1: Sure. Okay, so I've been in working in professional kitchens that are <clears throat> either, you know, from fine dining to, like, casual, upscale, whatever you want to call it. I've been doing that for, like, just over a decade. Um, before that, I worked in food service. I worked at, like, sandwich shops. Uh, I ate a lot of pasta growing up because it's fairly inexpensive and it can feed a lot of people Um, I can't say that I was like making pasta with my grandparents we didn't have time for that kind of stuff Uh, you know um, I don't want to say that I was growing up cooking with my family I wasn't I wasn't very interested at all Um, I am interested in like food and flavors and what they were cooking but I wasn't, like, with my grandma when I was, like, a kid, like, you know, cooking with her. I was out, like, you know, playing street hockey, and, you know, hanging out with kids my age, and I didn't really care. All I I was very fortunate to know that every day, every night there was going to be dinner on the table, but I didn't really have any interest in, like, knowing how it got there. Um, you know, my sister and I did the dishes, so, like, we were, like, you know, we sat down as a family, um, there was a, you know, it was centered around, you know, eating meals together. Uh, we ate out quite a bit. You know, I was an adventurous eater growing up as like a kid. You know, um, but yeah, I have a strong background in culinary. Well, to fast forward to now, um, super strong back uh, background in culinary. Uh, I just left uh, Saraya in Fishtown. I was one of the sous chefs there. I was working there for the last like year and a half or so. Um, you know, uh, when I first, I guess, <laughs> the whole like culinary journey. I moved to Boston um, quite some time ago, and um, was kind of looking for a job. And I knew, you know, food pretty well. Like I thought I did. Um, and I stumbled into, like, a James Beard award-winning kitchen, uh, Craigie on Maine, and that's, like, where it all started. Uh, and then from there, it was just, like, bouncing around in Boston, either staging or working at restaurants. And, um, you know, came back to Philly. I went right to Saraya in, like, 2017. Uh, I left and I bounced around. I you know traveled a little bit staging and working in kitchens this and that just trying to like you know just just get a kind of just get an experience in all different types of kitchen I, everywhere from like you know super high-end to like you know a luncheon at diner like super fast pace like just get it out type situations um and I guess the interest in pasta is I kind of was thinking, I thought about this for a really long time. I was like, there's always like someone I worked with or a cook that I knew who they had, like, you know, who ask me, what's your specialty or what's like your favorite thing to do or like, what's this or that. And I didn't really have that. And I think it took some time to like, <clears throat> maybe like think maturity was a big part of it and kind of, focusing on, like, what's something that I can, like, really just master or, like, not master, but what's something I can really focus on that can be, like, my thing that I'm known for that makes me a valuable cook, and I just started practicing making pasta maybe, like, I don't know, six six years ago, seven years ago, and it was bad, really, really bad. It's, like, finding a good recipe figuring out a good recipe or like if you're in a kitchen a cook's like oh hey james you should do a special or you know the smaller like small team kitchens like oh you have an idea for a special it's like i would always think like i'm gonna do pasta and it was always just like never great <clears throat> um and i kept working at it kept working at it and then you know figured out a good dough recipe a few years ago like right around maybe six or six months or so before i started doing this and uh just kept working at it i think it was just like it was just a lot of practice even to this day it's still just a lot of practice and um yeah and it's just worked you know and um there's a lot of good like influence in the city of other people doing really exceptional pasta so it's something that's like, okay, this is definitely something that's, you know, not going to be overlooked if it's done well. So that was kind of like the driving force behind why that was chosen. Um, and like within that realm, there's so many iterations of it where you can, you can do just shapes or you can do like stuffed pasta. So now you can kind of like put your like culinary hand to it. And you can like make... You can make it a little bit more interesting, and then you know, there's, you know, different types of like filled pasta, uh, baked pastas, and <clears throat> there's like different types of pasta stuff you can do. You know, it. yeah. So, there's what a, is there's your a
0: favorite? Form. Like, what's your favorite? Like, obviously, you like learning this, but what's your favorite kind of pasta? What's your favorite stuff to make? What's your favorite regular, with uh, like uh, unadulterated? I guess would be a word maybe pasta.
1: Sure. So my favorite my favorite type of pasta to eat is spaghetti and clams. White. That's my favorite. Oh, very we cool. Eat it, we eat it every day.
0: <laughs> cool. What about so a stuffed good. pasta? <clears throat> um, uh,
1: like I guess I guess just like a really well done like ravioli, you know, is like you can't really beat it. Um, you know, I think there's some really super cool, like, like more like heady, like shapes in the old world. You don't see yourself coming and going. Um, you know, like there's a ton out there. You know what I mean? There's so many. Um, but I think like generally speaking, like a ravioli, I really like raviola with like the egg yolk, which is a simple, simple sauce. That's like, I feel like with ravioli, or a stuffed pasta, it's kind of a different application. You're not doing, like, the tossing. You're not pulling it together like you would, like, a long pasta or even, like, a short pasta where you're, like, really just, like, tossing, tossing, tossing. It's kind of like you get your pasta cooked. You just, like, fold it in with your sauce. You plate it, and you sauce it, and that's that. You know what I mean? Um, So I think from, like, that standpoint, um, I would say, like, ravioli or, like, a tortellini, um, or a tortelloni. I love tortellini and brodo. It's very, very simple, and that's like a childhood, you know, uh, you know, memory food, if you will. Um, it's just, it's just super simple, um, and if it's done like super well, it's really just a really great dish. Um, but yeah, I would say, um, in terms of like other shapes, I, I really like making. I like making like any hand shape. I feel like those are really just, uh, they require a lot of finesse. It's like a soulful, like, you know, type of, uh, application. It's like, you know, you take your hand to it. It's not like you're, you know, just, you know, like in this business where we are right now to to roll it all by hand would be amazing. It's just like, with the way that labor is these days, you have to machine it. You know what I mean? So it's like to machine, like to run your pasta through a sheeter, you're cutting it like with a knife. You know, it's, it's nice. It's delicious. I love long pasta, but it's like, there's something special about seeing someone like making like or by hand or like making trophy or you're making any of these other hand shapes, like by hand, if you're making like peachy or whatever, you walk into a restaurant, you walk by a restaurant, you see them making it. You're like, damn, that's fucking, that's really sick. Um, cause it's just like at that point because it's artisanal,
0: you know I what I mean? It. I agree with you 100% and you like the world doesn't experience pasta like that anymore. Like no one has the depth of the palate of all the diversity of pasta just in the Italian pocket alone, you know? And, yeah. and it's just incredible. That's why I'm like, I find that they're like, as food costs get more expensive again as meat gets more expensive as as things get more expensive people are going to need cheaper options again and pasta is going to be one of them so i love what you're doing and and i agree philadelphia is one of the pasta capitals of the world i mean the just the little italy's of new york and and philadelphia alone probably carried a lot of weight in the world of influence and affluence in terms of the italian food that spread across the united states so um well wow, I don't I'm I'm amazed by you because it's just such a almost lost art like you, everyone talks about your grandmother and I learned it from my grandma but you're right if you like who's out there learning it anymore if it's not just being mass-produced who makes their own pastas anymore in the restaurants yeah so like where do you go from here like what James I mean what is like what are your interests? Like, where are you hoping this goes? Like, where are you hoping are like, how do you, you know, let's start there. Where do you hope this goes? And like, what keeps you going?
1: Well, I guess like this, as in like, like culinary and what I'm doing, we're, we're in the process of opening our own restaurant. Um, like, we're, we're probably a month and a half out from opening in Fishtown. Um, It's like from like, that's it. (laughs) Like that's, that's what I'm doing. Um, You know, I'm very fortunate to have a lot of like skilled friends who are helping me, Um, you know, and if they're not able to help me, I'm in there hanging rock. you know,
0: Let's talk like, about that. Let's talk about you're putting your sweat equity into things. You yes. put your sweat equity in your business like that as a core value. So, talk to me about building out this restaurant because you've taken this same discipline and like almost obsession, for lack of a better term. I, I want to. I don't want to use it in a negative way, like it's an addiction. No. But it's an obsession, and obsessions can be good because they can lead to profitability and entrepreneurial ingenuity. So let's just talk about what that is. How are you building this out? Let's talk about sweat equity and like how much time and effort you've had to put into all this and take as much time as you want.
1: Sure. Okay. So first off, like <clears throat> I've been looking for a brick and mortar location for a long time. Um, I worked with uh MPN realty, Alex Sharon. She's my agent. And, um, from the minute I started looking, um, She's been very helpful. We just we just never found like the right space. So, I guess like this goes back maybe a year and a half. We'll say two years. Okay, we'll say two years ago we started looking like for real, uh, to where we were like, you know, getting to like letter of intent. Like we got there a couple of times, and uh, just like when it came time to pull the trigger, it was like we I really had to like get realistic for one and think about the space and is the space gonna work for the concept the concept changed like a few times like one time the first we're thinking about just doing pasta it's just like a pasta retail then it's like well we gotta just we gotta cook it too and then it's like well you need hoods well it's like the new building and you gotta do this and that and you gotta do all these utilities next thing you know you spend 200 grand and you know that's like fit out top to bottom that's not including like your staff and the other thing there's so many <laughs> the gift
0: they keep giving, yeah oh, always
1: tons of components yeah like if you think there's 30 like add 100 and these are small places these aren't like these monster isn't is a monster restaurant like so i guess maybe uh back in september october we didn't talk for a while and I was very immersed in, like, the Soraya defined hospitality, you know, program. And uh, she reached out to me out of nowhere and was like, hey, this, 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 look, this spot just came on the market. It's not even, like, listed online yet. It just, like, went up. Do you want to see it? Sure, I'll see it. Checked it out. Had everything I needed. Has hoods, a walk-in, huge basement. Like, ready to go. And so we thought about it and I talked to my fiance and we kind of just decided to do it. Uh, but like the place needed some love because it was just not really the aesthetic that we wanted to like create for our vision. I wanted like a bright, you know, really neutral palette with a lot of like woods and, you know, tile. and Just very like, make it look very clean, a little bit of old roll with like a modern, you know, approach, like all modern, like textiles. You can't really get the old ones anymore. They're a fortune. Uh, And so, you know, we, we signed the lease literally on my birthday. So December 14th, we signed the lease and uh, yeah, I've just been going since then. Like, between you know, working side jobs to like doing the pop-ups as like the Nardone uh, brand and selling sandwiches and doing dinners and you know, literally just hustling, like like hustling. Not like I'm in a rush. I'm just like not like the action of hustling. Like I'm literally like in the streets, like trying to make money. Yeah, uh, because we're bootstrapping. I'm very fortunate that I've had some people come on board to offer us, you know, some small loans uh, to, like, help propel it. There's so people believe in us, you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, from the minute it was, like, here are the keys, I'm, I think the next day or, like, the day I got the keys, I came right back and I started pulling down. They had, like, lap like, wood, like, almost like fairing strips all over the place because the walls weren't flat. So they did it as like an illusion.
0: It's unbelievable. It's kind of crazy.
1: Like maybe like 500 pieces of like, you know, this like fairing strip, like one by 12. Like imagine like 500 rulers like nailed into a wall. How to pull them all down, how to pull down all the nails. Like so for every piece of wood, you're talking four nails. So we're talking like. You know two thousand nails like one by one if they didn't come out with the wood i gotta fill all the holes and then the walls aren't flat gotta take the wall down gotta reframe it got all this like the ins and outs top to bottom so we t- basically this has been going on for like two or three months about two and a three about almost three months non-stop really and just every time you think you've, like, got it, you run into a problem. And you've got to fix the problem. And then, you know, obviously you can't be there every day because some days we have, you know, I have events. And some days I've got to step away and, like, kind of, like, recenter. Because there's, like, some projects you just, next thing you know, you're pulling down all the walls. <laughs> and next thing you know, it's just studs. So you have to, like, at, at some point you just have to, like, stop and just, like, think, like, I got to just focus um, but yeah it was like a bunch of cleaning out everything um, but yeah we do our tiling on Monday and then we're ordering all of our equipment and then hopefully a health inspection in a few weeks and then finish up the front of house and wait for our occupancy and we should be open by like the end of April <laughs> That's are, you it. are you nervous are you nervous um, I'm anxious to get it done. I'm not nervous about how we're going to do. I'm excited because I have a lot of, I have a lot of people behind me, just like not even people, like I'm not even saying financial, you know, support. I just have like so many friends in the city who have supported me and know that they're excited to see it, you know, like the neighborhood. I talk to the people in Fishtown. I see them all the time. You know, what is Fishtown
0: and why is it called that in Philadelphia?
1: Um, I'm gonna We can look it up. I don't know why they call it Fishtown. Yeah,
0: I don't know I mean. either. I can look it up too. But anyway, why Um, why do you I'm choose that? It has
1: something to do with, like, you know, because it's near the water.
0: Yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, what made yeah, that area the, stick the out the more? The
1: residents that live there were, were fishermen. They fished in the Delaware River.
0: That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so it's, you're close to the water, sort of. Um, Definitely.
1: And I would say like, like, like s- maybe like, if you were to go, to, we're we're on we're between Palmer and Columbia on Girard. So if you went towards the water, it would be like, like, like ten or eleven city blocks, something like that. You'd hit Penn Treaty, which is like on the water. It's a park on the water, and then you'd be in the
0: water on the delaware so it's really close it's um, so cool do
1: you have something else that i forgot something
0: yeah no i didn't have another question in there really but let's talk about like the when you talk about the hustle and like um the pop-ups like building what was nardone pasta company that's now turning into alma philly um like what like, what is it that you're doing to hustle and, like, how have you really built this brand in order to even have this opportunity to open a restaurant?
1: Sure. Um, so I think, so to start off, when I when I mean, like, the hustling aspect and the actually just, like, making it happen, if you will, it's like, I don't think it's... it's <laughs> I don't expect people to understand what goes into doing these. Um, if you've ever done one, like if you've ever done a pop-up event, um, whether it was like in a kitchen or a food truck or whatever, if you're bringing food from like one location to another and also equipment and like a team and everything, it's just like, <laughs> it's so much legwork, like so much run around there's all you always forget something. It's just like a nightmare. At the at the end when it's done, like you may, the thing is though, you make it happen. You just make it happen. If you don't have you know the the things you need, because it'll make it a little bit easier. You just gotta like forget it, and you gotta keep it moving. You know, if they don't have the right cookware that you were expecting they had, you gotta keep it moving. You know, you gotta pivot. So you need experience. You'd experience like from being in like a real kitchen and having to like make these adjustments um, you know, in a stressful environment to be able to do these and like successfully, you know, do them. I've I've had most of them have been pretty like successful without any real hiccups. I've had some serious hiccups. Had one recently. I did a pop and bit lunar and I had there was something that went down that was basically, you know, it was my bad. And, you know, it's just, like, it set service back. But, um, yeah, dude, it's, like, they are, um, they're really interesting. Like, I'm excited to not have to do them anymore just because, like, having everything I need, at like, an arm's reach or, like, knowing what I have and where is it is going to, create much more of a you know m- my mind is just going to be more calm knowing when i walk into my restaurant i know where this and that is i know where we're keeping this i know that we need oil and it's probably getting de- it's definitely getting delivered today unless there's like a problem but if there's not you know i know i can go grab some around the corner um like those are like my like little issues it's like oh we got shorted celery today big one like we'll go get it you know yeah, it's not my like, i have to go down to the italian market two days before the event because i don't want my product to go bad because i don't have anywhere to really store it i do now but i i didn't like for the last two years um it was like asking friends to like hey can i store some stuff in your walk-in or like keeping it in my house emptying out a refrigerator and storing it in our fridge and it's like you get on the italian market and you're you're buying for your menu and like they don't have a bunch of stuff now you're running all over the place like a crazy person and that happens all the time you think they'll have like you know broccoli and they don't there's like no they, they didn't they didn't get it ordered they didn't get it delivered they ordered it and then none of the vendors on 9th street have it it's all the same situation then you got go to go like you know restaurant depot down by like the like the stadiums and you forgot there was an Eagles game. You can't get there. It's like, these are things that have happened versus a nightmare. And it's like, you just, you just can't buy too far in advance for these events because you can't run the risk of like things going bad because the bottom line is so tight. Your margins are so tight, you know? So, Yeah,
0: Um, I mean and that's part of bootstrapping right like you really have to make your money matter or your restaurant's going to go under and you definitely don't have the money to grow into a restaurant and like it's, it's reinvesting the money back in your business so I think that like one of the things you're talking about is the just constant hustle of you know, it's two steps forwards, one step backwards, and it's awful to stay. And those steps backwards are awful. They teach you a lot, but it's often financial and repercussions sometimes also. And it's sometimes, and most of the time, it's we choose that direction. So as an entrepreneur, I'm like, I would rather choose and lose with and be responsible for my own versus not be able to choose and lose because I'm part of a choice that someone else made. And maybe that's egotistical in some ways, but If I'm taking the risk, I'm the one running the business. I should be the one, you know, in action trying to figure out the repercussions of what's going on, right? So, um, um, or the, the problems or the solutions and I should be the one backing it and I should be the one putting my money where my mouth is. But at the same time, like I have to also reinvest in the business and the people. So I think that's exactly what you're doing, um, in a lot of ways. So James, what is what is your favorite part about this, all of this? Like, what are you enjoying the most about all of this?
1: I think what I'm enjoying most about this is that I'm getting to the point where this can be something that's, like, self-sustaining, where I can, like, to the next level of life, whether that's, like, you know... my fiance and my future wife and I are moving to like the burbs and living like our you know life we've wanted to we love living in the city but like I'm saying like coming home and parking in a driveway is pretty nice and you can't really it's not really attainable we'll do that in Philly like if you get a house in the driveway or a garage if you can even find one that's for sale it's like not really realistic it's pretty expensive so, like, to to be able to do that and start to get to the next level from, in like, a personal standpoint, I think is what we're looking to do, um, which is that's, like, the driving force behind this. Like, that's always the conversation. That's always, like, the goal when we talk about, like, you know, a year, two years, three years from now. I don't think it's so much, like you know, Oh, I can't wait to open the next one. Or I can't wait to like do the other thing. It's more like, let's just, let's get this to a space where like it works really well, you know, and where we can like, you know, just be like making a livable wage, you know? And, uh, running our own business you know absolutely we can can pivot and we can if things start to like get stagnant like i i feel like i have a pretty good grasp on like you know how to change the times without like you know rebranding and changing the whole concept i'm like you know i'm staying up with like you know trends and whatnot and i think that's what i'm most excited about and, and i think also excited about being able to like really put my personality out there because i don't think it's hard to really um show the whole concept when you're doing that like pop-up because you're in someone else's space Absolutely. and it's, it doesn't yeah it doesn't represent like you and i think that our space i'm really excited about sharing the space with people because they're going to come in and be like wow this is really really nice. And then not to be like not to be like from an ego standpoint I'm not like haha, like, I did this. It's more like I'm so glad that you like it. Like it's I'm doing it like for some things that I like and also I know that like it's kind of what I feel like Philadelphia needs a restaurant like this. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy. But like there really aren't any that are just like this.
0: And explain what you mean by that. Uh, just give us further definition because I want to actually talk about what yeah. is it that makes your restaurant unique? What is it that, because you're building a brand that's reflective of you also, and what is that?
1: So, yeah, so there was a restaurant that existed a few years ago. Uh, it was called Recipsa, and it was down on Walnut, on the 21st and 20, 20 20th or 21st in Walnut. There's an all-day cafe, and they did pasta at night. And, like, a really nice menu changed quite often. And they actually went on, they went on to open uh, Irwin's in the Bach building. but so they just do dinner now. But that was one of the coolest restaurants in the city because it was, like, go in, get a breakfast sandwich in the morning, little bites, whatever, get a coffee, get a little, like, you know, something sweet. And they'd shut down, they'd flip and it would be like this little like pasta, kind of like Southern Italian, Sicilian, like really cool menu, fresh and like creative. And there's no more, you know, it it is no more and uh, nothing ever really replaced it. I don't want to say that I'm here to, you know, to replace it, but I was, I was always really inspired by what they were doing. It was exciting to me, and it was like just overall it was a fun place. And um, it gives you the opportunity to like show two different sides. So we'll be breakfast, lunch, closed, open for dinner. Uh, so it's gonna be fun to see the the mood change in the morning to the nighttime. It's gonna be a different. It's gonna have a different look. Like when the, once it's dark outside, you know, and the lights are moody, and there's like, it's much different than like when, you know, you have all that natural light pouring in through the front windows, and you have a whole different menu. You walk in the morning, and it's like, you know, pastries or breakfast sandwiches or like a little, you know, something light. To start your day, coffee, some bread, you know, fresh baked bread, things like that. And then at night, it's you know more buzzing. You have, like, you know, things to share for the table. You have, like, spicy broccoli rabe and some pasta and, you know, like a big chicken cutlet with, like, a really nice salad and, you know, BYO, so, like, you're drinking wine and this, this that, and the other thing, and the music's nice, and the kitchen is just, like, alive, and you hear all, like, it's just all, like, the little nuances of, like, that busy restaurant um, versus, like, the morning, which is more of, like, a kind of like a humble, I don't want to say cafe, more like a humble, like, little luncheonette. Kind of hybrid cafe thing. Like, we're not gonna have like the espresso and all that in the beginning. We just can't afford to roll out with that. It's expensive stuff. But like we'll have like drip, iced coffee, you know, humble stuff. Just like I love- grab a coffee, <clears throat> grab a little bite, and you know, that's really like what we want to do. We just want to be our neighborhood spot.
0: Well, I love this. I think that it's important. And I think that there's not a lot of places that want that anymore. And that's actually interesting that we were just talking about this with James, uh, Gonzalez, uh, and his Puerto Rican concepts up in New York city about being a part of the neighborhood again, and actually being a part of the community and actually, um, being, the place that people want to go and the food is good and you're not rushing people out of their tables where they can sit and enjoy themselves and listen to good music and be there all night and do whatever. And I think that that's really part of what we're talking about here. So I love that a ton. I think that it's really important that you people do things like that and, and build things like you're talking about. So like, um, is your fiance in food? Like, is she come from a food background and, and how you guys are coming together, and how do these conversations take place in agreement and understanding? Because you're both in this together, basically, whether she's involved or not.
1: Yeah, so she's not in food. She's actually a hairstylist. Um, so still in like the service industry, but um, not in culinary. Um, when it comes to talking things over like agreeing on things, you know, we, it can get like, you know, you'd want to just like have it always be a thing where like, you know, you talk it out and it's like really like an easy conversation and everyone agrees and, you know, green light, let's move forward on it. So like it doesn't always like happen that way, you know? So there's like a lot of, it can create like, a lot of hardships, you know, like yeah,
0: absolutely. talking
1: about like, a lot of risk, you know, and she's been like one of the biggest like investors in this whole thing. So, um, it's like, it's a lot, you know, it's one of those things where I guess this last week has been one of the better weeks because we've seen some more, you know, injection of capital from other, you know, other places so it's taking a lot of the stress off of her uh, like right now so like this has been one of the better weeks um but there's also been some weeks where it's like things have been really stressful like when people say like we spent all like when you hear always like good story that like, successful business and they're like you know we were getting right open and we, like, we spent everything we had nothing we had we didn't even have a dollar in our name that's like it's the game we're playing right now, you know? It's like, and it's not, I'm not trying to, like, you know, sing, like, my woes and have people feel bad. It's just, like, we decided to do this. But, like, that is real. That is a reality. That's, like, what happens when, you know, you don't have that. You don't come from, say, a family, you know, a, a family with money or, you know, a friend of a friend who has, like, tons of money. And it's just like, here, go ahead, have fun, enjoy Two hundred thousand, yeah, do it. Like I'll be like I'll be like a partner and like I'll come in and eat with my friends all the time. She'll be sick. It's like I would even and dude, that's the thing, I wouldn't even want that. Like if I had to, there was like some like trust fund kid who was like, Yeah, I'll give you like whatever you need. And like I'll say like twenty uh, percent and then they're coming in on busy nights with their friends, being rude.
0: Wanting credit want for everything. Yeah. I don't I know.
1: Want that. I don't I don't even yeah. want it. You don't I'd want rather up. Stru- and she and Stephanie would agree with me, too. We'd rather struggle, be, like, down to our last dollar, do it ourselves, and not have that hanging over us, where it's, like, now we have a partner, someone who has equity, perpetuity. And then one, And then it's, like, okay, you paid back the loan, and now we still owe this guy? That we're doing this so we don't have to, like, have a boss or someone, like, like breathing down our neck about the bottom line <clears throat> there's no sense there's no sense in doing it i'd rather p- pinch every penny spread it thin do some work on our own be creative and just make things happen the best we can to like get the just to get the job done get the doors open because that's really the goal now the goal is just to get open start selling and start to draw in revenue that's the goal love it yeah that's it just just got to make it happen at this point
0: you know well thank you james for coming on the podcast and thank you for your time i really do appreciate it and um jumping on and last minute and just doing what you're doing and building in your community and being a food entrepreneur and sharing your story so like as we wrap up it um Will you let everyone know the, where they can find you guys online, where the address is of your location. And if you want to share anything for future entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs out there that are struggling, please, the mic's yours. Uh, And then we'll wrap things up.
1: Sure. So you can find us on Instagram. That's our driving force. uh, At Elma Philly. At Nardone Pasta still actively using both of those accounts uh elm affiliate will start to become much more used in the coming weeks Um, we're located at 431 east Gerard avenue philadelphia pennsylvania 19125 open thursday through monday eight to three fridays and saturdays dinner five to nine five to ten something like that um And my advice to anyone who's maybe not sure if what they're doing is the right thing or they're struggling, whatever, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Like, it's not like, like, what's the big deal? You're going to fail at what? Like one thing. You just got to keep it moving. You just got to keep going. And if something doesn't work, just keep, just, just keep, you just got to keep moving forward. You got to keep doing it. You just got to keep going, create content, whatever you got to do. Um, and eventually people are going to see that, that you are, you know, that you're consistent and you're just excited about what you're doing. If you're not excited and you don't believe in it, how's anybody else going to be excited and believe in it? You know what I mean? And that's pro- that's, that's all I can really
0: I agreed 100%. Really I say.
1: And, I, and I feel like, Another thing you can do. I'm not sure if you're in restaurants, but I'll be. I'll admit, I watch a lot of. I watch a lot of Shark Tank,
0: <laughs> and yeah. it may
1: sound funny, but I'm saying absolutely. I like watching it because it's just. It makes you think about like from both sides. From both sides, and it's just. I think it's. a I think it's a really nice tool. It's. It's. You know. It's entertaining, but I feel like there is a lot you can use from that. And watching a lot of any videos when Mark Cuban's talking about money. Obviously, we're not talking about billions here, but it's all relative.
0: Yeah, so I, I agree with you.
1: He's he's, a, he's one of my favorites. It's brilliant. I can't get enough of listening to him. And uh, yeah, and just um, never uh, put any of this before, like you know people who matter most in your life either.
0: I but love gotta, that. I balanced. love it. I agree with you 100%. And so um, thank you guys again. I really appreciate it, James. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. If you guys like the episode, give it a good rating. uh, Give it a good comment in there, though. That stuff helps the algorithm. It gets episodes out there. It helps entrepreneurs who are on here, and it helps get the episodes in front of more entrepreneurs so they know that they're not alone and have a place to be inspired. They're not going to steal ideas because no entrepreneur is the same. But I will tell you this, that what people do get from these podcasts and the ideas they get from each other, and the ideas that they um, spark in one another, and the growth that I've seen just on the entrepreneurs that are on here. Chicken and Waffles is one of them. He's done two episodes. He's already doubled the size of his company um, by one being on the podcast, two networking through people not only in the podcast, but around the podcast. So these things matter. Your networks matter. The people you hang out with matter. The, your mindset matters. So all these episodes help. And it's like giving away the ability to of your past so you can grow in the future. And if you want to be a great entrepreneur in the future, you often have to go back and help other entrepreneurs and learn from them also while teaching them from your, your lessons and your experience and your exposure so they can grow also. At least that's my experience. So James, I appreciate you sharing your story and growing all the entrepreneurs out there that listen in. So thank you very much.
1: Of course, thank you. This was this was really cool. I really appreciated uh, the questions, and you know, this was this is a really good platform. So yeah,
0: yeah, always, absolutely. Um, and everyone who's out there, if you want to listen to us, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And you can find us on Instagram at Justin, the food entrepreneurs. You can DM us there. There's a phone number on the page. You can text us if you want to be on the show and you can DM us if you have questions that you want me to ask to the entrepreneurs who are on the show. And thank you guys. And we're out.